welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. You know what? No one is beyond the reach of the saving grace of God. I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. I want to start by showing you a couple of photos. I want to ask you if anybody knows who this man here is. This is a guy by the name of Peter Carter, just for one of an experiment. Can I just get a show of hands of anybody that knows Peter Carter? Not one of you knows Peter Carter. Peter Carter wasn't the only coach and wasn't the first coach, but he's the coach that Roger Federer credits with helping him learn his technique. If Federer says, if you look at my you know, effortless technique, Peter Carter was the guy that I credit for teaching me how to play tennis in that way. He wasn't my first coach, he wasn't my only coach, but he had a significant influence on my career. Now again, just to be a little bit interactive, I'm not gonna make you say anything or do a dance or anything. Who's heard of Roger Federer? All of us. Peter Carter sadly passed away in a car accident in 2002 and Federer still flies his parents to key tennis events because of the influence that Peter Carter had on his tennis career. Let me bring up another photo. Anyone know who that is? Okay, show of hands again. Who's heard of Bernie Torpen? Okay, there's six, six of us. You're all over 40-ish. I thought this was current affair because in the cinemas today, you can go and see a movie called Rocket Man, which is the story of Elton John. If you go to any Elton John record and look at the songwriting credits, you would see alongside Elton John's name is the name Bernie Torpen. He's been working with Elton John for over 40 years, essentially as his chief co-lyricist, co-writer. Uh, Elton John would say, without Bernie Torpen, there would be no Elton John. Who's heard of Elton John? Yes, some of you are just, you haven't got your hands up and that means you're not engaging because I know you've heard of Elton John. (laughs) Let me bring up the photo of someone that I don't think any of you will know. This lady's name is Barbara McKenzie. And there's a few people here that know who she is and sadly Barbara passed away just a few months ago. But Barbara was the lady that invited my mum to an Easter camp when she was a young adult where my mum came to faith in Jesus. And so in my family's story, none of you know her, but she has been influential in in a whole, not just first generation, not second generation, but now three generations of the main family having the chance to know and encounter Jesus because she had the courage to invite her cousin at the time, my mum, still cousin, but her cousin to go to an Easter camp where she got to hear the good news about who Jesus is. And I'm sure mum's getting emotional because... Barbara was such an influence on mum's life. Now, none of you know Barbara, but you all know us. And here's the thing, right? Sometimes the thing that God needs us to do is not be in the headlines, not be in the headlines, not be on the front page. But there's people in everybody's life that play a significant role in creating us or creating significant parts of our story. I wanna talk this morning about a guy in the Scriptures who if you've done any Bible study, you've been around the church for any length of time, you would have heard of Paul or the Apostle Paul. We've all heard of Paul. Let me just give you, if you're 
completely unfamiliar with the Christian faith, let me give you a little bit of Paul's rap sheet. I would suggest that when people get to heaven one day, if there's any autograph hunters, they'll be running around with their big leather bound Bibles. They'll be going, look, I've got Abraham, I've got Moses and I've got Paul. Like he's one of the top three or four people. Hopefully they'd say, and Jesus signed it as well. That, but, but in terms of people that God used in significant ways as recorded in the Scripture and in the history of the Christian faith, the Apostle Paul is right up there. He, uh, he had a significant influence, not just on our understanding of who Jesus was. He wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. So the words penned in your Scripture in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote more of that book than anyone else. There's other authors and other contributors, but Paul took the lion's share of that. I went to my personal library. Now understand this is not gonna be your personal library, but as someone that's gone through Bible college and studied theology, I've collected some textbooks over my time. And on my personal library shelf, I have that many books. And that's only about half the books I have that are influenced by the ministry of Paul. There's one just called Paul. Here's one called Paul for Everyone that helps us understand some of the letters that he wrote in the New Testament. Here's a book on Philippians, which was a letter Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Here's early Christian letters, James, Peter, John. Okay, Peter, James, that's the wrong one. <laughs> Paul had nothing to do with that. Paul, apostle of the heart set free, someone that just tracks the life of Paul. A letter to Philemon, Colossians and Ephesians, books and letters that Paul wrote, helping us understand the context of those. The epistle to the Galatians, Paul added to the Romans. I have loads of books that were influenced by this guy named Paul. But there's someone in Paul's story that doesn't get as much glory. He's a guy by the name of Ananias. Now, unfortunately for Ananias, when it comes to biblical renown, there was another guy in the New Testament also named Ananias. And we know more about him because he and his wife Sapphira lied to God, lied to the apostles, sold some land, said they were gonna give the money, held back a bunch for themselves and ended up dying at the front of church. Like, horrific story. But unfortunately for Ananias that I'm gonna talk about today, he kind of lives in the shadow of the guy that died because he lied. But there's another guy we read about who gets about... 11 chapters in, 11 verses, sorry, in Acts chapter 9 and a mention in two verses in Acts 22. His story is short. We don't know a lot about him. We don't know his context. He didn't write anything that we study. There's no books written about him. You can't Google him. There's a couple of churches that have popped up across the world that have been named in his honour. But this guy, Ananias, had a significant influence on this man, Paul, who we know of, we've heard about, we read about, has been written about who helps us understand more of who Jesus is. And there's 10 verses that tell his story in Acts chapter nine. Let me give you a little bit of context before I tell you the story of Ananias. Paul, but when we meet Paul, his name is Saul. Crazy thing, but understand in, in biblical times, when someone went through a name change, it often meant something very, very significant. You read in the early part of the scripture, the man Abram became Abraham. Jesus says, Simon, follow me. From now on, I'm going to call you Peter. Like there's just, there's these little name change nuances through the scripture. And we meet this guy, Saul, who goes through a change and his name is changed in the process. We then know him as Paul. But when we meet him in Acts 9, everybody knew him as Saul. Saul is a really, really deeply religious, vigilant, almost excessively religious guy, right? 
He'd studied the Scriptures. He knew God. He knew the religious customs and the ways of the day. And he was so zealous about his religion that when something popped up that threatened it, he did everything he could to shut it down. But somewhere in the story of Jesus, Paul missed who Jesus was. You see, Jesus was a continuation of the story God had been written all along. And He came and actually made sense of everything that had gone before. Problem was, Paul had made sense of everything that had gone before, but had missed Jesus. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus was raised to life. And now this new little group, we now call it the church. In the Scriptures, as you'll see in a minute, they were getting called the way. They hadn't yet been called Christians. That comes a little bit later. They were getting called the way. There was this group of people just like us that were popping up known as the way that were telling the story of Jesus of Nazareth who died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And Saul, deeply religious guy, hates the church, hates the way because he sees them as a threat to the religion that he's protected for so long. When we get to Acts chapter nine, it tells that Saul was on his way to a place called Damascus. And he was there with one purpose in mind. He was going to Damascus to find anybody that was meeting in the name of Jesus. And he had permission from other religious leaders in Jerusalem to get them, bring them back and throw them in prison. Saul hated the church. But on the way to Damascus, the Scriptures tell us that Paul or Saul has an encounter with Jesus. This is his great light shines. He hears his voice from heaven and then he can't see. And so it says those that were with him end up dragging him into Damascus, now blind, where he finds himself. And that's where I'm going to pick up the story in the Scriptures from Acts chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. And yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Really key starting point, first time we ever meet Ananias. We've already heard of Saul before now. It says that Saul was overseeing the stoning of some others in Jerusalem that were declaring who Jesus was. Saul's not a very nice guy, but for the first time, we meet Ananias. And it just says simply, Ananias was a disciple. What is a disciple? The word disciple literally means a pupil, a student, someone who is a follower. And we discover in the Scriptures that anytime Jesus met someone, He didn't say to them, I want you to sign here, I want you to believe this. He just said, I want you to follow me. And that's what a disciple did. They just followed the way of Jesus. They learnt from Jesus. They leaned into Jesus. They became someone that put their hope and their faith and their trust in Jesus. And that's all the Scripture says. Ananias was in Damascus and he was a disciple. 
And here's the thing I want to say to us about Ananias this morning. You see, there's a whole bunch of us here today that deep down we want to change the world for Jesus. And we ask, how are we going to do it? But the reality is for many of us, God's just calling us to be like Ananias. Our story may never be written down. We may never get on the front page of a paper. We may never have an entry in Wikipedia. But God may need to use us to make an impact in the simplest of ways. It'll have the most profound of impacts. And it's here that I want to talk to us this morning, just for a brief moment, about lessons on being a disciple from the life of Ananias. And the first thing I want to say is this. If you want to have an impact on your community, if you want to live in the way of Jesus, if you want to be a disciple, you've got to learn to listen. What you'll learn today is what I'm going to teach you is very, very simple. You don't have to study, you don't have to go to a special college, you don't have to have a whole skill set, you don't have to be proficient in a whole bunch of stuff. This, what we learn from the life of Ananias is God is just ready to use people that are willing to do the simple things for his sake. And it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your background. We get no background into Ananias. He might have been an absolute rat bag as a kid. He might have been struggling with his faith. We don't know. It just says that Ananias was a disciple. He was doing his best to follow Jesus. And the first thing we learn from the life of Ananias is he had learnt to listen to the voice of God. And if we're going to be great disciples, we need to learn to listen. Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, and yes, Lord, he answered. There's a whole sermon, a whole teaching series, a whole bunch of stuff we could do on this, but many of us sit here and we ask, how do we hear the voice of God? You know, it's written down so clearly, isn't it? Ananias had a vision. He heard the voice of God say, Ananias, and he says, yes, God. It's probably just his account of how it happened. How it happened for Ananias, I don't know. How do we hear from God? You see, part of learning to listen is actually taking the time to learn to listen. It's actually creating space in your life to understand the nature of who God is and to give Him time to speak. And so many of us want to talk at God We go, we've actually carved out some time so we can tell God all the stuff that's going on in our life. How many of us just carve out time to go, God, I'm just gonna sit here. I just wanna pray a really simple prayer. Say what you need to say. Speak to me, Lord. And learn to listen. I just wanna give you four really simple things I think can help you learn to discern and listen to the word and the voice of God. And the first one is this. Through his word, the Bible. There's been significant times in my life when I've been at a crossroads or when I've not known a decision to make or when I've been struggling with something in the leadership of the church. And I've just said, God, I just need some wisdom from heaven. Would you speak to me? And as I've been reading the scriptures and as I've opened up to a particular passage, there's been something in that scripture that's just spoken so clearly to my spirit that I knew that the word of God that was spoken and written down so long ago has been made new and real for me again today. If you wanna hear what God has to say, God has spoken got a whole book of what God has spoken right here. And sometimes if we say, we never hear from God, well, God's got a whole bunch of stuff He wants to say to you. It's sitting in this book. And some days we've just got to carve out the time to open the book because in here, God's gonna unlock some stuff for you that you reckon God doesn't wanna to speak to you about, but He's already spoken about it and His Word doesn't change and His truth doesn't change and it's right there waiting for you to hear and receive. One of the greatest ways God speaks to us is through His Word. I reckon this is the starting point to hear the voice of God. 
not just because God will use it to speak fresh word into you today and into your circumstances, but God will also use it to help you discern the times when He speaks something fresh and you need to know if it's God or not. Because we live in a culture and a community with a lot of noise, don't we? And sometimes discerning what God is saying is hard work. But the start to discerning it is knowing the nature of who God is because God will never ask you to do anything that's contrary to His nature. If you come and say, God told me to go and do this and it's contrary to what He's already spoken in His Word, that is not the voice of God. That is something else. God's never gonna go and tell you to do something sinful or something stupid. He's not gonna, he's not gonna tell you to go and... Uh, pastorally care for someone who culturally would be inappropriate for you to do that. Like, God is consistent to His Word. If you want to hear the voice of God, start here. Carve out time, read His Word. Hear what He's already spoken. Because His Word is universal and it is true. The second thing I want to say is this. God at times speaks through a prophetic word. I've had moments where in prayer, someone's so we just want to pray for you and someone's just spoken a word of knowledge into my life. Something that they don't know about, but I know about, but I know they don't know about. Does that make sense? And they've just prayed prayer or they've used words or they've confirmed something in their words. And there are times that God energises something through somebody else that speaks a word into your life. I want to encourage you, if anyone says, I've got a picture for you, I've got a vision for you, I've got a word for you, receive it, process it, sit on it, take it to God and ask Him what it is that He's saying. I've had significant moments in my life where someone's spoken a word that was the right word in season that I needed to hear, that the person that spoke it had no idea that it was a question I'd been asking of God for ages. The Bible is full of prophetic word as well. In the Old Testament, there are the prophets that spoke the word of God into the future of a community or an individual, things that hadn't yet happened, but God spoke into being. God speaks to us at times through others. In the case of Ananias, it says that Ananias was spoken to in a vision or a dream. This sometimes is a tough one to discern. I have lots of dreams and they're definitely not the Word of God. But I know people that have had dreams where God has spoken. And the thing that God spoke in their spirit was confirmed in other ways, not just they woke up and it was so clear on their conscience and then God confirmed it in other ways. God does speak to us at times through dreams and visions. God speaks to us at times through the gentle whisper or the impression. You know, one of the ways I've learned over time to discern the voice of God is there are times when God will just put something on my spirit or on my radar that is just so out of the box. There's been people sitting here today that I've been driving in my car and I would have no reason to think of you, but God has placed your name on my mind. And I think, why am I thinking about that person today? It's an odd connection. And then I drop it. And then the next day I find myself thinking about you. And I'm a little bit of a slow learner. So it's usually on day three where your name comes back to mind that I'll pick up the phone and go, hey, just, you get an odd phone call from me? Hey, just ring in to see how you're doing. Sometimes, not always, please don't think that I'm the freaky guy. But sometimes I've had to make those phone calls because God has just impressed on my spirit the name of a person and I can't shake it and I can't drop it. And so I just go, well, God, I don't know if this is you or if it's not. If it's not you ringing up and saying g'day, it's not a bad thing, I guess. But if it is you, it might just come at the time that that person needs. I would encourage you never to let go of those promptings. As I said, as long as it's not inappropriate. But if God puts someone on your mind, if you just keep thinking about someone's situation, act on that. Ring them. 
Write them a word of encouragement. Cook them a meal. Do something, whatever it is that God impresses on you. Because you know what I found over time? That sometimes that's just the gentle whisper of God impressing something on my spirit that I need to act on. And it won't embarrass them, but I could point you to some people that, and, and trust me, I'm a slow, slow learner. There's probably some people that deserved the phone call because God wanted me to and I just was too stubborn to do it. But there's been others that I've rung and they've gone, I just needed to talk to someone today. I just prayed for God to give me someone to talk to. Thanks for calling. I know people that have stopped doing stupid things because somebody rang at the right time because God put that person's name on their spirit. You, know, you want to learn to hear from God sometimes? You've just got to take the chance and just do it. And as I said, if it's in a, like God never prompts me to ring kind of other married women to see how they're doing. And if he does, I'll talk to Chrissy about it. We'll ring together or I'll get her to ring. But what I'm saying is God will only prompt you appropriately. And when you get those appropriate responses and you think, well, there's nothing, I can't see that there'd be anything wrong in this, act on it and see what God does. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias and the Lord called to him in a vision. Yes, Lord, he answered. It was as simple as learning to listen. And then God gave him some really direct instructions, go to Judas, the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tarsus called Saul. I've never had it quite that direct. God's never said, go to Straight Street and talk to this bloke and there'll be someone there. But in this moment, Ananias, who as a disciple was learning what it meant to listen to the voice of God, was obedient. We have to take time to learn to listen, to learn to discern, and then step two, to be obedient. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas. And Lord Ananias said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. I get why Ananias was nervous in this moment. He'd heard reports of Saul. And this isn't Ananias going, okay, I'm just checking. Is this actually you, God? Is this common sense? Is this actually a prompting from you? Because I've heard about this guy, Paul, and this seems like the craziest thing that I could do. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. So God said, Ananias, I want you to go. And then Ananias questioned it and God just said, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. So what happened? Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. He, he heard the voice of God and he was obedient to the voice of God. Ananias had great question, had great reason to question God when he spoke. But we will never know what would happen next had Ananias refused. Now I'm speculating here for a minute, right? This isn't written in the Scriptures. Don't go and say that I've created some new theology. Just speculate for a minute with me. Because the thing I know about God is He's sovereign and if you get in His way or you're stubborn or you refuse, guess what? He'll find someone else and you'll miss out on the opportunity to be part of a great story. Uh, but I just want to question what would have happened if Ananias had said, thanks God for the word, mm, I'm out. I've heard about this guy, that can't be you, I'm out. Because at the same time as God was speaking to Ananias about going to Judas's house to speak to Saul of Tarsus, Saul, who's now blinded by an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus that Ananias knows nothing about, mind you, is sitting praying and God is planning on his spirit that there's a guy named Ananias that's gonna come and lay hands on you. So Paul's already got the name of the bloke that's meant to be coming and Ananias is the bloke that God's compelling to go. 
What happens if Ananias doesn't go? I just wonder. I just wonder whether this was actually one of those catalyst moments where God said, Paul, you've had an encounter with me on the road. Now I wanna show you something else miraculous because the next thing I speak to you is the name of the person who's gonna come and minister to you. And so Paul there blinded, keeps hearing, Ananias is gonna come, Ananias is gonna come, Ananias is gonna come. And guess what? Ananias came. And in that moment, I reckon Paul just thought to himself, man, that was real. Because not just once, but now twice have I seen God actually follow through on something incredible. But what if Ananias didn't come? Paul's sitting there going, Ananias is coming. Ananias is coming. Ananias didn't come. Ananias didn't come. I wonder if that thing that happened on the road, that was just a figment of my imagination. Because the same voice that spoke to me on the road told me that Ananias was coming and Ananias didn't come. So did I just make that voice up? Maybe this whole Jesus thing is just a figment of people's imagination. Maybe I was tired, maybe I hadn't eaten, maybe it was a hot day on the road to Damascus. We don't know. But Paul had a vision of a man named Ananias and Ananias came. One of the things we need to learn if we wanna be great as followers of Jesus, we gotta learn to listen and we gotta learn to be obedient. This is one of the toughest things for us because most of us don't like submitting to other people, do we? We like to do things our way. Some of us in that Ananias moment want to tell God how it should play out. Uh, Just find someone else. No, 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 this is not the way it's going to go down. I've heard about Saul. He's not a good guy. I've got a different way, God. No, no, no. God didn't ask Ananias for his opinion. He just asked him for his obedience. God doesn't always ask you for your opinion. He just asks you to be obedient. Some days he says, Ananias, go to Saul of Tarsus. Why God, he's a bad guy. I just want you to go. Because he's right now here in your name and unless you go, it's not all gonna make sense. And so guess what? Ananias goes. What's it mean to be a disciple? Learn to listen and learn to be obedient. Number three, learn the way of Jesus. Paul had an encounter with Jesus and it changed everything. Paul was a zealous religious man. This wasn't a conversion experience from someone that didn't believe in God to someone who now was fully devoted to Him. This was someone that believed so deeply in who God was that he was gonna do anything to defend his faith. He just missed the new thing that God was doing in Jesus. But guess what? An encounter with Jesus changed everything for him. Some of us here today would testify that we've had an encounter with Jesus and it changed everything for us. You know, if you look at statistics, it says that 65%-ish give off plus a few, 65% of our community actually believe in a spiritual being. There's just a whole bunch of them that need to have an encounter with Jesus. There's a whole bunch of really religious people in our community that just need to have an encounter with Jesus. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to tarot cards and mind readers and all these other places to try and find hope and meaning and some voice from the far-flung places of the universe that just need to have an encounter with Jesus. Paul wasn't a non-spiritual guy. He was a deeply spiritual man that had his life changed because he had an encounter with Jesus. But part of that encounter with Jesus was an encounter with someone that was learning the way of Jesus. Because let me put you in Ananias' shoes for a moment. Ananias has heard from God. Ananias has agreed to be obedient to God. But now in Ananias' spirit is the guy that he's called to go and minister to is a guy that had been killing his friends and was actually on his way to come and arrest Ananias and his buddies and take him to jail. So there's already something of unease in Ananias' spirit. 
It's the same unease you feel when you look across your fence or across your table or across the work desk that you work in or across your neighbourhood and think of that one person in your world that you think, God, anyone but them, because I reckon they're beyond hope and beyond reach. Ananias had that thing where God said, I want you to go to Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias said, oh, I just, I'm not sure he's the guy, God. Have you heard about his reputation? But Ananias goes. What happens in that moment? He walks into the room and there's a guy there who was on his way to arrest him. That had overseen the beating and the stoning of some of his friends. Listen, we can miss this. Listen to what Ananias does. Ananias went to the house and entered it. Listen to what he does. Placing his hands on Saul, he says this, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. We could read past that verse, but as I read it, God just impressed on me something about the spirit in which Ananias received Saul. Brother, Jesus who appeared to you as you were coming has sent me so you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias treats Paul with a respect and a dignity that doesn't fit the reputation that Paul's got. Paul was militant against the church. But Ananias walks into that room and ministers to him with grace and compassion and respect and dignity. And God's gonna ask some of us to reach into the lives of some people that are militant. They've said some stuff about us. They've said some stuff about our faith. They've said some stuff about our Jesus. They've said some stuff about our church. They've written articles. They've written blogs. They comment on every Facebook post. And from a distance, it looks like they're the last person that Jesus is gonna reach. But He's gonna ask some of us to step into their world. And He's not gonna ask us to step into their world by retorting their Facebook post with something cutting and smarter. He's not gonna ask us to step in their world to set them right. He's just gonna ask us to step into their world and minister grace, compassion, respect, and dignity. And guess what? Ananias, who had so much fear, I imagine, in going to encounter Paul, walks in, lays his hands on him and calls him brother and says, I wanna tell you and help you encounter Jesus. He's gonna bring healing to you right now. He's gonna fill you with his Holy Spirit. And at that point, Ananias says, I check out of your story. You go write the rest of history. Because it says scales fell from Paul's eyes. It said that he stayed for, for some time with the disciples. He probably sat at Ananias' table saying, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more about Jesus. Ananias gets no credit for it. And the rest of the story goes on to tell what Paul did in the name of Jesus in declaring the good news about the death, burial and resurrection of Christ to the nations of the world. We have to learn the way of Jesus. Sometimes the people with the biggest front, the, the, the ones that look like the most have the greatest animosity to our faith are the ones that are just half a step away from stepping into the kingdom. And it leads me to my last point. No one is beyond reach. Don't assume the outcome. Don't assume the outcome. No one thought Paul was gonna be the missionary to the Gentiles that Jesus needed, but Jesus had Paul in his sights. And Jesus says, Ananias, I've spoken, I want you to go, I want you to lay your hands on, I want you to pray. Guess what, I'll give you 10 verses in the Scripture, but one day you'll be the guy, hopefully on the streets of heaven, that people come up to and go, were you the guy that led Paul to faith in Jesus? Thanks. Guess what? Ananias, there was a church 
that started on the northern Gold Coast of a place called Australia, and a nice, you wouldn't have even heard of Australia. You thought the world was flat and it fell off the edge of the world that you lived in. But actually the world is round and there's, there's a whole body of ocean between you and this little continent that we live in. And there's this beautiful stretch on the East Coast called the Gold Coast. And one day there's gonna be all these houses that emerge on the Gold Coast and there's gonna be this little church growing church called Gateway Ormo that's gonna be planted there. And guess what? It's because Paul took the message of Jesus to the far-flung corners of the world. And at some point, someone else picked it up and someone else picked it up and someone else picked it up and it arrived with us. And guess what, Ananias? You had a profound impact on the story of Jesus because you listened, you're obedient, you ministered Jesus to someone and you didn't assume the outcome. You went to someone that you assumed Jesus could never reach and Jesus did. We often make an assessment of someone's likelihood to come faith in Jesus and that determines our willingness to go. If God prompts you with someone's name, go. You just don't know how close they are. You just don't know if all that animosity is coming from a hurt that just needs grace ministered to it. You just don't know. But there is one that does know. And he's not you, but he's the one that might prompt you. Listen, be obedient, minister Jesus, and let God take care of the outcome. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.